Welcome to the Motivate, Lead and Inspire podcast. My name is Haki Mr Impact and in these episodes we discuss the relevant challenges facing young people in the UK which I initially aired on my Thursday evening radio show on colourfulradio.com. Be sure to visit www.facebook.com forward slash Hakeem Mr Impact, that's MR for Mr, where you'll find the rest of my podcasts. Have a great day. There's so many things and pressures and, and so many obstacles for young people to, to, to negotiate. Where do you start? I mean, what's the, what's the starting point? Um, let's start by actually asking uh, Yemi, like, in terms of the work you, you guys do, I mean, generation gaps. So how we were brought up as older people and what we had to go through as young people and what is now being perceived as what young people have to go through. How are you adapting to that, that change? Um, there is a big gap. Uh, we have had, actually, uh, one of our Zooms in the last few weeks was on identity, young mm-hmm. people, mm. identity, the gap that there is between the young people now, mm. millennial, you call the, them, yep, yep. And, um, and our our sort of age groups where the way they hope now is totally different. The pressures they go under, um, um, they go through is is so, so hard. I have two boys, so mm. I, I can speak from experience and not just um, knowledge and professional ex- experience or knowledge. So do um, share that, with us um, then some of the pressures. Yeah, share with us some of the pressures that they have now compared to when maybe when we were growing <laughs> up. What, what would you say? One I- is um, social media. Everyone knows your business. Mm. When we were growing up, you know, we we had the okay, it's, it's happening here, and as long as three four people don't spin it out, not everyone knows that um, you you were failing in your in your exams, you mm. know, mm. Um, unless somebody else within the family say says it out to someone else, no one knows that much, and I and I believe that um, when you know, some of these things are kept a little bit out of the public domain. Mm. Um, there's less pressure. Mm. But right now, everything is aired on social media. Mm. Um, anything, fights uh, are recorded and they're put on social media. Mm. They talk less of um, abuse. It's all out there. Mm. Um, we have online abuse. Mm. It's all out there. Mm. Um, bullying. Mm. It's all out there. Texting, it's all out there. Just mm. name it. Mm. Everyone has access to to your story, to your problems, to your hurt, to your pain. Mm. Um, so that that's one, and and it's a I believe it's the biggest part of it. Um, the fact that many times it's um, parents work twenty four hours round the clock. So, well, COVID has made it that at least we know that one person might be home or parents have been forced, some parents have been forced to spend time with their young ones Mm. because they're not out there and lockdown, we're all in in the homes together. Mm. But otherwise, before then, some parents, it's like like a conveyor belt, you know, in 
Well, someone's coming in, someone's going out, someone's coming in, someone's going out. And there, uh, there are cases where the, the young ones do not have that little quality time to discuss the pains, this, the issues they're going, going through. Mm. And they end up talking to someone, someone else out there. Mm. And um, we know that um, it's not always the best um, pot to stir. So... But let me ask you a question. We, we, you know, mm. as again, the older citizens, we we we, be, we were taught to grow up to be quite private and keep us our business mm. to ourselves. So why are we as the parents? Why are we not promoting? But why are we not stopping our young people from sharing all their business in public? It's almost like against the norm. The way I was brought up is you come home and you keep your business to yourself. Yeah, but now with social media, it's almost like you're compelled to share. But why, mm-hmm. as parents, I know this is a really blanket question and it's, it's just to kind of get some things moving, but why, as parents, are we saying to our young people, why are you sharing your business anyway? Your business is your business. What's, what's happening there? Is that the pressure from peers to share your, share your information? What's going um, on with that? I mean, Bethany, do you feel you have to share your business online or, or you're a private person? What's going on with that? I feel like there definitely is like a pressure to because everyone else, the majority of young people do do it. And you feel like, oh, if I don't post this up, then I'm not going to get recognition or I'm not going to have a reputation. Personally, I don't because I think growing up, I've just realized that it's better to keep things private into yourself Mm. unless it's like achievements and stuff that you want to share. But personal business, Mm. it's better to keep it to yourself or with closer people. What's what's your feeling is about the the generation gap and how things have changed? Right. Um, I think for me, um, I think a major problem we we're, we're facing um, with obviously I, I, the millennials, you know, the younger generation and us is um, I don't think we are listening to the, to, to them enough. Right. Um, you see, we're from a generation where we were told what to do. Mm-hmm. You don't question. You just do it. Okay. Mm. Now this is a different generation. They want to know why mm. they're the, I call them the why generation because you <laughs> ask them to do something and they, they want to know why, why, why which not? is yeah, why exactly, yeah. exactly. Which, which in some cultures that's seen as them being disrespectful. Right. But when you take off that hat, that's not them being disrespectful. They are a very inquisitive generation. You know, they've been, they've been taught, you know, don't forget, they've, they've got the computers, they've got all the tech. We didn't have all this. They want to know, okay, this works. How does it work? Mm. When we were growing up, we were told this works and we were fine with that. Oh, it works, does it? Yes, it does. Boom, we're done. But that's not enough for this generation. They want, they're not content with it works. They want to find out how does it work? What makes it work? What does, you know? Mm. So, we as the older generation we've got to get used to that we've got to listen to them we've got to understand that they are not content with just being told you've got to do this you've got to do that mm. all right mm. um also we've got to understand that okay with this idea you're talking about you know putting themselves out there um showing this or showing that they are a much more closed People. They've got no interpersonal skills because everything is done via technology. They, they don't 
they, they rarely see each other. Mm. Forget, not even COVID, even before COVID, mm. you have conversations. You, they meet friends online. Right. You know, they go on this Snapchat. They, that's how they meet each other, okay? Sometimes they could be talking to each other and haven't yet met, met themselves in person. I find that a lot of them have problems when it comes to meeting themselves face-to-face because they lack the skill to be able to converse on the one-to-one. But they're okay when they're doing it through the technology, through the phone. I agree with you 100%. You understand? I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I get very frustrated. Yeah. Because, you know, we try to nurture young people and get them employ, employers ready. Employ, employability is yeah. very important. Yeah. And as you know, if you're, if you're an employee, you don't want to see the top of someone's head. You want to see their eyes no. and see how they're reacting. No. You want to see them, that they're, they're mm-hmm. nodding or they're working something out. And that, that for me is, is something that we try to implement in, in, um, sure. in impact. Bethany, what is your sure. thoughts on that? You are very, um, you look, you're looking to have a successful career in a marketing world. What, what is your thoughts about young people not being so uh, communicative uh, and only relying on, on devices to, to make conversations? What's your thoughts? Mm, I, feel, I feel like um, devices and social media in general is like a rabbit hole that is very hard to climb out of especially when it comes to meeting new people and learning about networking and doing things like work experience because, um, like you said, like we start to lack those interpersonal skills in terms of things, simple things like um, holding eye contact and shaking hands and asking questions and being able to just communicate normally without looking down constantly. Um, I feel like it's something that I have struggled with, but since like joining Impact and... Um, just going to different places and stuff like that. And even doing things like um, the radio, mm. it's helped me to be more social in person in a way that I'm not thinking about how hard it is or yeah. Yeah, how right, it yeah. feels weird and how I'm not on my phone or it's not like texting or whatever. And I, it just feels more natural. And ah. I feel like young people need more opportunities um, like that to just get out of that rabbit hole basically. I'm, I'm going to be a bit irritable now to all three of you because on one hand <laughs> you've said uh, Bethany that you know we've all agreed that the, the interpersonal skills is lacking however Giz if I can not quote you but kind of bring back what you said you said young people always want to know why they're always quick to say why should I do something so on one yep. hand they're turning around to you as quick as a flash saying why explain to me but on yep. the other hand we're saying they're not connecting with us isn't that a contradiction that we that we say? No, the the connection, the, mm. the why is it's 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 their the way their brains work. They're an inquisitive generation, right. which is lovely. I love that. But when we're talking, but they, when I, there is a disconnect. Now, the, when I'm right. saying that they are not connecting, is when you watch the body language. Mm. You know, if I stood with one of them and we did not have a conversation but we just stood and looked at each other, mm. I would be able to stand and tell you in five minutes everything about the person in front of me. <laughs> yes. But will they be able to do the same? Think, no, right. because they are detached. That's the connection I'm talking about. So you see what you said about employability skills? Mm. You know, if I sat them in front of me, you know, there are little, little exercises that you would be able to do with them to understand how they connect. The eye contact would be zero. Mm. slouching when they're sitting mm. you know there's so many things mm. and these are the connections i'm talking about mm. but i love the inquisitive nature 
of this generation, mm. but we've got to learn to teach them to channel it mm. in such a way that it's, it's, it's productive. And so how do we do that, Yemi? I'm going to come back to you, Yemi. How, what are the solutions? We've kind of identified a, a small area uh, link, linking young people. What, what are the solutions? So I'm going to ask you first, Yemi, what in your mind is solutions? And then I'm going to ask Bethany, what would she like to see uh, maybe yeah. society do to help young people? So Yemi, coming to you first. Um, when you say solutions, solutions, solutions in to, identifying? Solutions in terms of how do we... I think we've talked about, you know, they're inquisitive, but then mm-hmm. the, the communication after that, once they think they know the answer, the connection, it, it, it falls and they're back into their kind of the rabbit hole of social media again. So, you know, we're mm-hmm. not going to go on a campaign, the four of us on this call, and start saying, stop social media, stop social media. No. But, you know, but... but, but, but we all, we, so, you know, I'm sure this, this conversation has been echoed across the country in so many different places. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Because I'm very wary of social media and I think it has its positives for, obviously, if yeah. you're running a business, you know, instant, instant branding, instant message, instant communication. Mm-hmm. However, there's, there's, we all know there's the, there's the darker side of it. So, so yeah. I, I, I don't know what, 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 what is it we can be doing or it, you know what do you guys do as an organization as saffron what do you what, what what's your thoughts moving forward what are your visions to, to obviously improve society and engage the communities more okay um you know um it boils down to a couple of things one is back to this connection you you need to know your child right. um you need to know the children that come into your environment so, like, um, impact, um, you know that every child that's come through your doors, you have a responsibility, mm-hmm. a duty of care to mm-hmm. that child. Mm-hmm. Um, a teacher in a class has a um, responsibility and duty of care to every child in, in, in her class mm-hmm. or his class. Um, and you, you get to know your children. And when I say your children, I'm talking now about everywhere in any situation you as parents as well you you get uh, your children you know the way they 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 act and it's that connection that interaction the communication um that you have with your children that then bring these to light to understanding so um when you you start to see a child acting differently as opposed to their normal um, bubbly or inquisitive, you know, they might not be bubbly, they might just be inquisitive mm. and sharp mm. and on point every time, wanting to know why and all of that. But when you then start to see something different, so, um, and um, that's part of um, the thing that we do is a lot around training. Right. Um, we have parenting classes. Um, COVID has put um, has put that on the slow now, but mm. we are we are coming back and we're going to go back online to do that. But it's connection, parent parents interaction, communication with their children, and when you start uh, and the training that we we give out also we will support parents to start to recognise um, risk factors in the children, um, learn how to communicate, how to talk with them, how to listen then because sometimes you know they're talking and you can hear but you're not hearing what they're saying mm. Mm. you know so it, you know they're talking but you're not hearing yeah, them of course of course yeah the, um 
that you're hearing but you're not listening kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. What, what, what i'm gonna say though is 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 i'm really interested and i still got to come to bethany about what she feels we need to be doing as as the, the older people and society and government but i'm gonna ask you guys a question saffron um sorry um giz and yemi is how do you when you're going through this training with the parents how do you come over so you're not telling you the parents how to look after their children how to look after because their own because children. you know there could there's a there must be a thin line between them going ah what do you know uh you know it's a, or everyone's got their own particular scenario and they will tell you that yeah. you don't know what it's like in my house kind of thing yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. how do you exactly. over, i'm really so interested mm. um there is no book you know Forget that um, there's so many people that are specialists and um, professors at this. There is no book for parenting. Mm. Um, There is a lot of the time, there's a lot of learning as you go. But when we come into this group, um, each parent has a story to tell. Mm. You know, Uh, each each parent has a question to ask. Mm. Each parent has, why is this? child behaving like this you know he this child has never been like this and suddenly from nowhere you know it's like when did when did he change Mm. so there has been a time when he's when this this child has changed and each parent has a question Mm. and the thought is each question is a case scenario and many times we discuss these this questions that we have and then come to a conclusion. Sometimes you find that the, pers- the parent asking the question has the answer, right? but they've not taken time mm. to investigate, to find out what is actually going on with the child. Mm. They've not taken time to ask the child. It's time, isn't what, it? It's what taking is it? that time, You know, isn't what it? is happening? Yeah. Mm. Yes. So when, when the child's becoming isolated, or dropping out of activities. So this this child likes to go um, boxing, so to say, and then suddenly says, I'm not going there anymore. I don't want to go. Mm. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe in my younger years, I would have said, oh, thank God for that. Mm. You know, mm. instead of asking why, mm. you really love going here. Mm. And if the child is not saying, well, then why don't you take a trip there and find out what's going on? Or when you drop the child off there, spend some time there. There are various things that we, we, we can discuss, you know, yeah. um, feelings of hopelessness. These children are, on, like we said, uh, they're under so much pressure. Yeah. And many parents in our time, um, it's okay because we work in, in the environment that we work in. Parents who do not work in these environments mm. are not able to spot these. So these are some of the signs that we say you need to look out for this, you need to um, see when the child is a bit distracted, um, sudden um, um, halt in um, in um, the performance, the development, their yep. personal hygiene even. You, I'm going to jump in for a second. Change. So I'm going to I'm going to mm. pause you for a second because I think we have got another special guest on the line. Um, I'm going to see if Mr. Marcus Gale is there. Are you there, Marcus? I'm here, Hakeem. How are you? I'm very good. So um, unbeknown to you guys, um, I grew up with uh, a young gentleman, <laughs> same age as me, uh, Marcus Gale, <laughs> who we grew up from. You know, we know we knew each other from when we were like so high. You know, like something like five six seven i can't remember and, and marcus had a dream waist, waist height waist height marcus had a dream to be a professional footballer and while we were like kind of running around kind of like headless chickens marcus would always be kicking a football against 
a wall. And if there was anyone who was going to be a f- professional footballer, it was Marcus. He went on to have a successful career with Brentford, Wimbledon, Rangers, amongst many others. And um, I asked Marcus to come on. He's now a retired footballer. But, you know, with the, the topic we're talking about in terms of Jeremy uh, Whiston, it was really important for him to come on and just give his view about the pressures. Um, and he can give us a direct view of the pressures of being a professional footballer. How do parents um, pick up that um, there's, 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 there's something, not something wrong, that almost sounds, that doesn't sound right, but the, mm-hmm. the, there's, there's a change in a young person. How can they jump in and have conversations to, 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 to have a positive outcome? Because I think the big theme of what we're talking about this evening is, is, um, is, is, some, is not giving the young people the time and asking the questions to, 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 to unlock things and improve their employment skills and their interpersonal skills. I don't know if you want to come in and add some of your experiences yeah. and, and, well, and stuff. Well, thanks for having me on. Mm. Um, the life of any would-be professional sportsman, in this case, professional football, it's, it's a unique sport in itself because when you get taken into academies from nine or ten or even earlier, some of the clubs take them in, that child is no longer a normal nine or ten-year-old that goes to school, which they still do, mm. but they're treated differently. They know they're special. After school, they go for the training sessions. They go to these immaculate uh, complexes for training at elite academy levels. It's it's perfect for them. Um, so they're, they're, they're already preparing for their adult life at 9 and 10. Mm. When I was growing up, as you know, um, I got into the into the professional game at 14, my first club at Brentford. And so I had a, I, at least I had 13, 14 years of just being a normal kid before I got into this crazy, brutal industry. So I already had some fun in life um, to, to fall back on and great memories too. But um, with, the, with this modern day academy, it, it's creating young players that are being treated as adults far too quick. And uh, you can see that they just don't enjoy themselves at times because of the pressures that are put onto them, not just by the clubs, but they have to go back to normal school. And there may be pressures at home as well. So there's three key areas to keep an eye out for that child that is the absolute centre of all of what we're talking about tonight. Mm. So uh, some of the signs could be, you know, they're just, they're just overly quiet or they're just, you know, you see them first thing in the morning, they're not smiling. You, you ask a question. I don't think it's a case of jumping in because, as I said, they're under so much different pressures. And, and these young players, they're like mini computer chips in their brains. Um, that's taken on a lot of information from a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. They go into the training camp, they're picking up information from their coach. That's one pressure. Now they've got to correlate that with their teammates, picking up information. And they have to watch the opposition and look for weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So that's just so one, yeah. that's one example of pressure that they get. So yeah. to deal with it, it, it needs conversations. I would never judge a parent on how they deal with it because they should know their child better than anybody else. But what I would say is, what would you think is best practice for your child in that situation? Okay, let's, let's flip it over to Giz and Yemi. Like, you're doing some amazing work right now in terms of your safeguarding, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you have your challenges and your ups and downs in terms of what you're trying to achieve as a, as a company, as yeah. an organisation. What would you like to see change? What would you like to... What would you like to... Uh, would you like to be supported more, more? More funds, more awareness? What would you like to see? Definitely, definitely more funding. And I'll tell you why. Because if I, I grew up in East London. So um, 
when when I was growing up, obviously we 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 didn't have the internet. Um, mm. But what we had was we we could go some we could go dance. We I did tap, I did ballet, I did acro. Mm. You know, you, you could go to clubs. You could. I think what is really lacking seriously are places where these kids mm. can actually go mm. um, that do not put too much of a financial pressure on parents. Um, but still allows these kids to go out there and and excel and do stuff because what is happening now is there's a there's a massive divide if your child is into dancing or football it's associated with an elite family who can afford that mm-hmm. so low income families that their kids can't, can't they don't get that opportunity mm-hmm. so that is one thing the government the government needs to come in and they need to be able to make these facilities so that every child across the board, regardless, you know, can have, um, you know, is, is, can participate. Um, secondly, you know, you were talking about, you know, obviously you've asked Bethany um, what she would like to see. I'm a mother of three teenagers. Mm. Um, so w- what I would like to see, I would like to see where we do, if possible, I would, I would love where they brought back after secondary school, if, if they didn't want, if children didn't want to go on to colleges or universities, there should be another mandatory, whether it's a vocation, but it should be a mandatory um, activity that they have to engage in um, before they're 18. Our, our children are, are not gaining skills, you know. Do you mean like YTS? Do you mean like, do you mean like YTS what? schemes and stuff like that? That's right. That's yes. right. Things tried, like that, yep, you know. Yep, yep. Exactly, mm. um, because th- there's a gap. W- w- what you find is uh, when these kids finish GCSEs, um, and, uh, and uh, university is not for everybody. I've always said this: university is not for everybody. So, but there should be something else. There's a there's a massive gap once they finish GCSEs. By the time these kids come out, they're floating. They don't really know what they want to do, mm. even though they're taking GCSEs. We need to bring back careers guidance and advice into schools mm. and I don't think it should even be from secondary school I think it should start from the later part of primary school wow. children need wow. to have an idea long before they get into secondary school of where they want to go okay you, you've yeah. got kids who are going into university that don't even know the courses they want to take they end up studying maths for three four years and come out and, and they don't understand why they did that so let me ask a question general question to anyone who wants to pick this up so because you've identified something which I agree with, YTS schemes, training, etc. Marcus, yeah. I know you're part of um, you're part of the Kick It Out Racism scheme with Brentford. Is that correct, yeah. Marcus? Yeah, the Kick It Out charity. Yeah, that's, Kick Out charity. One organisation. So my question um, is Brentford's this: a totally different one. Yeah, this is this is my thing. This is my thing. We, <laughs> it's like the government know what they should be doing. It's so obvious yeah. that there's a problem with racism. They've identified it. They're yeah. not doing anything about it. There's a there's a problem with yeah. young kids hanging around on the street, not getting into yeah. you know academic, you know, causing crime, knife crime. They've identified it. Yeah. They're not doing anything about it. So I'm mm. asking all four of you on this call, what is going on? <laughs> what, what is going on? And maybe none of you can answer, but maybe you you've got something that can fill the gap for now because there's, I'm there's, I'm perplexed. There's breakdowns. Sorry. There's a few breakdowns. When we grew up in Shepherd's Bush. We had adventure playgrounds. We had youth clubs. Yeah. We could go and play football for free. That's why I was so good. Cause it, was, it was free. <laughs> I didn't come from a rich background or anything, as you know, but mm. it was mm-hmm. accessible to, to people like ourselves. Accessibility. That, helped, that, mm. that, that, that occupied us. So 
that was that was the main drive for me being who I was. Um, within the game itself, why why is the racism problem still prevalent? They don't take they don't take race seriously in this country. When you look at um, there's a chart I can give you a link and it's called the color of power. And when you see like the color of power visually, you will see why there's a problem with race in this country. Because at every table of decision making in this country, in every industry, yeah. it's white. There's hardly any. Uh, I don't even want to use the, the phrase "bane," but I just said it because I can't stand yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Out of order, disrespectful, and God help the next person that wants to refer to me like that because they're going to get some words. Um, <laughs> when we're not at the decision table, mm. which is a massive problem within the game. So, and Europe is in a far worse position because they disrespect the black culture even more so in many of the countries um, and when you see the level of fines that are being handed out it's not black people that are making that decision for me I would like to see personally or I would ask the question where does the fine money go when a nation is is found guilty of abusing black players that is one yeah. of my questions I think it's a sideline business for the white organizations to make money from black trauma, which is disgusting. So when they say slavery is finished, yes, the ball and chain yeah. version of it might have finished, but the economic and social side of it has not finished. Wow, some powerful words there okay. from, from, uh, wow. <laughs> from Marcus. Yeah, of course you can. This is what we're here okay. for. Okay, um, I've just, I've just wanted to speak um, right after Marcus because he pulled out some things that um, we've noticed as an organization as well. You know, we're we're, we're rather young, and um, when we look at um, the funding market out there, it does not mm -hmm. suit the um, ethnic, grassroots, young, supporting um, mm -hmm. um, black um, black organizations. We we, um, we we sat on webinars for about two of them now, mm -hmm. and it was a complete mm -hmm. put off. We came out thinking, okay, now they've not got us in the, in, in in the circle, because they want you to have um, made fifty thousand in the last year. I don't know how that is going to happen mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. our, our organisations. They want you to. They, they want so many things that you know. We, we're thinking, have they just literally? Tick box to exclude organizations like ours who Definitely. will not be in that remit. Mm. And that's just Definitely. one. Mm. Two, there is the fact that I, when I used to um, work um, directly with, with um, children, I used to go in Hackney. Hackney has some really lovely youth centers all, all over Hackney. And but being the safeguarding officer then mm -hmm. I, I I engaged myself in those those centers there were ones that you know did music they they, they developed rock music did things studios there were uh, sports where they're playing tennis all of these people we engaged with these centers and the children we engaged mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. go in there now yeah, I've, I've been to, I actually literally went to these other places to see how is it going there isn't one of them standing Mm. Everywhere yeah, that had basketball courts, their buildings on there. So it's, I'm thinking, where is all this money? Because we're looking at three, 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 three million, 
three billion and all this so much money and it is not coming within our, our communities mm. Bethany, um, and that, that's sorry. really sad that's yeah. really sad Bethany, um, Bethany do you think you do you think you would have come to impact if it was more expensive uh, would you have been able to yeah. afford to probably because of the age that I joined I don't think so. If it was more expensive than what it is now, then probably not. Mm. But because I think a couple months after I joined, I started working, so I was able to pay for it for myself. Mm. But um, if I was like, if my parents were paying, then probably not. No. And we we we're charging fifty pounds for ten weeks of sessions. It's like wow. five pound. It's like two pound fifty an hour. And, um, wow. you know, I even, I even begrudged doing that. I was like, no, it should be free. But we, there's also a balance about, about placing value on something. I'm sure all of you will agree as yeah. well. So, mm-hmm. Sometimes things, things that are free. But it's crazy. We've existed for 25 years. We've, we've only recently just getting funding and we're providing a service and we're getting young people to go on to be amazing, as we call fully functioning individuals. Yet um, mm-hmm. youth centres are closing down at the dozen and and it's true what you said Marcus it's really interesting you know I didn't even think about that you you we kicked the ball in the in in the street for free you know and um yeah if it had been a if it had been a situation you'd had to travel to I don't know I don't know Guildford every day and spend like 50 odd quid back in those days it it, it would have been a, a big challenge yeah, for you it's the case of paying for a football pitch for an hour mm. and we're talking 50 60 pound for us back then that was never going to happen Yep. So we had to yeah. be adaptable and find whatever free space there was and, and smash the hell out of it at the same time. Mm. Many broken windows, many lost footballs, but, you know, I came through that, um, luckily. But, you know, we, we got to put ourselves in a valuable position and, and in mindset as well. And, and some of the comments I've heard on here so far, it's like we're being cut out of the economics being overpriced or it's it's not attainable for us to to, to kind of have the same fair equal opportunity to do the same thing as anybody else can do mm-hmm. um, but i believe that within the black community especially we've got the power we just got to put our money yeah. within our yeah. own support exactly. networks and organizations so we can build it because Everybody else taps into us. You look at every mm-hmm. culture on TV, mm-hmm. it has an origin from us, no matter what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got girls doing yeah. all these dancing now. You've got young white girls twerking. I'm like, where's where that from? That's not from America. <laughs> that ain't from Europe. Where you get that from? <laughs> yeah. Now you've got them plumping up here, there and everywhere. Where did they get that from? So mm-hmm. they're constantly tapping into our culture and profiting from our culture and leave mm-hmm. us at the bottom of our own culture. So it's about time we just took back that power and control. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's something I would like to add as well um, within our community, because we can sit down and say, you know, we're not where we should be. There's, there is so, is so much truth in the fact that there's no representation um, in the right places. But I think uh, we are a very large community, especially in the UK. And this is a black and African community. So we're talking of the Caribbean. We're talking of the mm. Africans. We're talking of the whole. Um, we as a people need to now come in. We've got to now come out ourselves. We need to, we need to grab it. We don't need to wait for it to come to us. So it's the football on Sundays. I used to take my kids to football. I used to be the only black mother on the sidelines. 
And I'm going to call out now and hope that mothers are listening, fathers are listening, and say, get out there, learn what it takes to run a club, and let's start having our own club. Because mm. if that happens, what has happened to this young man, this young, this 17-year-old, you know, maybe there could have been some form of prevention. Mm. You know, I took my kids to football on Sundays, and it was the worst place to be sometimes because we felt like sore thumbs. We mm. stuck out so badly. So um, there is a lot we as a community still need to do. Um, we mustn't get excited by this new representation of seeing ourselves on television adverts. That is not the kind of representation I want to see for our what community. Do you mean, what do you mean by um, that? What do you mean by that statement? Right. If you, we bo- well, we've got one minute and this, 15 seconds of the news, so you're going to have this, to be quick. <laughs> okay. Black Lives Matter came on and all of a sudden you've got so much black representation on the television, adverts in, mm. in um, films and whatever. That's not what we want. We need to be up in parliament at the front seat. We need to have representation in directors, boards of directors. We need to be where it matters, where we can actually make an impact within the black and African community. Mm. Putting me on the television in an advert does not give me that.